Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. A listener production. Hello, it is Friday, the 17th of September. I'm Katrina Blowers. Welcome to The Briefing. It is nearly the weekend, Antoinette Latouf. I saw you posted a picture on Instagram yesterday of your adorable cavoodle, but you were talking about how you don't know who's going to have worse separation anxiety when this whole pandemic is over, either you or your dog. Honestly, I think... I'm going to suffer the most and I need the <laughs> chips and I need some training. I need to get a coach in to help me deal with it. You know, I was talking about this with Annika Smithhurst. She has a gorgeous Dalmatian Merv and she was saying that with all of this working from home and she's also in Melbourne, so she's been in lockdown as well, Merv has got very used to everyone being mm-hmm. at home. So that triggered today's briefing topic because we thought that other people would be in this situation too. And we are speaking with one of Australia's best-known vets, Dr Katrina Warren, on things we can do now to lessen that pain later on when we all have to go back to the office. What you need to do is think long-term and think, will my puppy cope if they don't have a warm lap to sit on? So teach them to go to their bed or a quiet area. Teach them to go to a crate or a pen or somewhere where they just have that quiet time. So that's in the second part of today's briefing. Some tips to help you and your pet, but mostly probably us, right, Antoinette, (laughs) navigate the end of lockdown. And also, if you listen every day, uh, why not take part in the briefing quiz on Instagram. That is posted around lunchtime each Friday on our Instagram. It's up in our story section. Uh, you just need to listen to the headlines every day and then you can either play against the computer on Instagram or challenge your friends. But let's get into those headlines. A number of countries have come forward to condemn the new AUKUS alliance between Australia the US and the UK, with China saying the deal is bad for the Pacific region. US, UK and Australia are engaging in cooperation that gravely undermines regional peace and stability. That's China Foreign Ministry spokesperson Shaoli Jen speaking there in that audio from the ABC. So this deal, which will see Australia get access to US technology to build nuclear-powered subs, was confirmed in a joint press conference by Australia, UK and US leaders yesterday morning. Now, France has also expressed its fury at the agreement, which means Australia will walk away from its $90 billion deal to build non-nuclear submarines with a French defence company. And the Commonwealth has so far not given any detail on how much exactly it will cost for Australia to walk away from this huge deal with France. But what we did get was an indication that it was partnering with a world superpower uh, despite... President Joe Biden not even remembering Scott Morrison's name. And I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. <laughs> thank you very much for walking away from a $90 billion deal, but I won't remember your name. But also backing it up with pal. Hey, pal, because that's what you always say when you can't remember anyone's oh, name, right? Hilarious. It's like, mate. <laughs> The French, unfortunately, are pretty cranky with us. Uh, France's foreign minister overnight said Australia's decision was a stab in the back, but also hit out at the US for going behind France's back to arrange that new alliance. 
and fully vaccinated Victorians will be able to meet up for picnics and other gatherings from tomorrow. It's an easing down of lockdown as the state reaches 70% first dose coverage. This is what Victorians have craved for a long time uh, and we're pleased to be able to take these modest but I think significant steps to provide this outdoor social interaction. That's the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews there. So adults from two different households who have received both doses of the vaccine will be able to meet up in groups of five from midnight tonight. And these changes come as the state announced a record 514 new local cases. And that's the highest figure since the second wave in August last year. And Katrina, I don't know if you remember, but Andrews actually condemned New South Wales' decision to allow picnics for fully vaccinated people saying, you know, that's not part of the national plan. Um, And now he's doing it. So I guess it's just the latest, you know, instalment of that kind of cross-border swipes um, Mm. that really don't necessarily translate. Give the people picnics. (laughs) Give them picnics. (laughs) Um, Authorities are also continuing to crack down on the construction industry. Premier Andrews announcing builders will have to be vaccinated to work and they'll be banned from travelling between Melbourne and regional Victoria. If you're travelling back and forth into, from metropolitan Melbourne into the regions and back again, then the virus will hit your ride. And yesterday's lockdown of Ballarat was sparked by an infectious tradie who travelled to the regional city from Melbourne. This was pretty big news that came out overnight. Queensland has legalised voluntary assisted dying after a vote in the state's parliament following days of debate. MPs debated 55 different amendments before voting 60 to 29 in favour of the bill, with religious groups voicing strong opposition to the proposal. Yeah, so there are some tough, I suppose, um, requirements around this. This scheme will be restricted to adults who have a serious medical condition and it needs to be causing intolerable suffering. That will be expected to lead to death within a year. So Queensland is now the fifth Australian state to legalise voluntary assisted dying and patients will be able to take advantage of the new laws from January 2023. And that means Queensland joins Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia and Tasmania, where voluntary assisted dying is already legal and an option. The Billawila Tamil family will be allowed to stay in Australia for at least another three months after the government granted them new bridging visas. The Murungupan family have been living in Perth since June after they were brought back to the mainland from Christmas Island due to the youngest daughter's blood infection. This family is fighting against being deported to Sri Lanka where the parents came to Australia from seeking refugee status. And tribunals all the way up to the High Court have previously found the family are ineligible for refugee status. But the family's lawyers have been fighting for a protection visa for youngest daughter Thanika. I guess the latest on this case is Priya, Nades and Kopikas, the rest of the members of the family, their bridging visas are due to expire next Wednesday. And the family of Aussie woman Justine Damond Ruschek, who was shot dead in the US, say they are heartbroken by a court's decision to overturn a conviction for her murder. In 2019, former Minneapolis police officer Mohammed Noor was convicted of third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter after the death of Damond 
who was shot and killed in 2017. The Minnesota Supreme Court yesterday reversed that third-degree murder conviction and 12-and-a-half-year sentence for Noor, and this means he will now be re-sentenced on the manslaughter charge. This was quite a shock decision. Damon's family say they're now hoping the court will sentence Noor equitably but harshly. And Noor was actually the first police officer in the state's history to be found guilty of murder for killing a civilian, but obviously that has now been overturned. And Katrina, while he hasn't uh, been sentenced for the manslaughter part, what he has done is served 28 months of his murder sentence. So I guess assuming he'll get the four years, which is the average for manslaughter, that means he could be eligible for supervised release around the end of this year. All right. Well, Annika is about to jump back in because we are going to get some expert tips on how our pets will cope, but I think more how we will cope once we go back to work when these lockdowns are over. Hey, Katrina and Annika here with you. And Annika and I were recently having a bit of a chat about lockdown life. Annika, you're in Melbourne. You've been in lockdown. I think it's been something like over 200 days all up since this pandemic began. Not so great for you and your husband, but amazing. Just the ultimate for your beautiful Dalmatian Merv. The dog loves it. We always joke that we think he's actually starting these outbreaks or he's a super spreader because it's the perfect situation. He gets a really long walk every day. He gets treats. He gets pats. We're always there with him in his little wolf pack where he feels comfortable. But we are finding that Should we start to leave? Even the other day we went out for an hour and we noticed he went and dug up a bone. He obviously thought that we'd abandon him and he had to start (laughs) fending for himself or something. So it really is a concern. I've I've discussed this with a few of my friends now about how we sort of convince our dogs that when we do get out of these lockdowns, that it's okay. We're not leaving them for good and that they're just going to have to have a few hours in the backyard alone. Yeah, I think particularly for people who got puppies and so that's the only lockdown life is the only life they've ever really known. You know, pets used to be left alone pretty much Monday to Friday but now they sit in on our Zoom calls, they join us Mm -hmm. for coffee breaks and of course (laughs) they are getting more walks than ever before and are likely to in the future. Oh, you've just reminded me. I did a live cross the other day and my dog featured in it as a lot of dogs are featuring (laughs) in Zoom calls now. So because of this, we're going to try and find out how to prepare our pets for this new normal when working from home finally, hopefully one day ends. Yeah, so applied animal behaviourists have been advising people to start now preparing their pets for less contact before heading back to the office. But I guess how do we do that when we're at home all the time? Is it different for cats and dogs? And look, are we being just a touch ridiculous here? Are we treating our pets like children when actually they're going to be just fine without us? He is my child. I will not take it. I will not dispute that at all. He is my firstborn. <laughs> but yes, here to answer all these questions is someone whose name you'll probably know. The Today Show's resident vet, Dr. Katrina Warren, who's also one of Australia's best known vets. Now she has a dog herself, a dog called Chill and a cat called King Leo. Katrina, thanks for joining us. It's a running joke in my family. We're starting to think that my dog is a deliberate super spreader because he just seems to love lockdown. He gets walks, he gets pats, we're home all day. 
Is this the ideal situation for all dogs? Is this the sort of environment they love or just my dog? I think a lot of dogs are loving it. I think a lot of cats are wishing we'd get out of the house and give them back their space. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of dogs are loving. Even my own dog, my border collie, he's absolutely loving that I'm around all the time, definitely getting increased walks. We do just have to be careful because there are a lot of dogs coming through that are not coping well when they are left on their own. There was a boom in a pet ownership that started last year and it's continued. The trend has continued right through with more puppies than I've ever seen during my whole career. But a lot of these puppies have not grown up in an environment where they've had puppy preschools, where they've had the training and where they've had time on their own. Okay, so what are some of those signs of anxiety that we need to start becoming aware of? Well, I guess there's a couple of things because there's there's mild anxiety and there's severe anxiety and there's a whole lot of things in between where they're not necessarily anxious but they're learning behaviours that may cause anxiety down the track. So what I say to people with, with if they get a puppy now or they've got a young dog is focus a lot of your attention on teaching that puppy to be comfortable alone. So you want that puppy, instead of letting it follow you from room to room all the time, letting it be sitting on somebody's lap all day. So what you need to do is think long-term and think, will my puppy cope if they don't have a warm lap to sit on? So teach them to go to their bed or a quiet area. Teach them to go to a crate or a pen or somewhere where they just have that quiet time. But you'll start to realise if they're not comfortable being on their own, and that is they will follow you everywhere. They might whine if you're not around. They don't want to be put outside if you want to put them outside. This all sounds terribly familiar for the Dalmatian that runs my household. One of the things I've noticed is if I just go out to the grocery store, um, he'll sit on the front porch, he'll pace, and he'll howl when I return. What big feelings is he having and how do I counter them? Is it that he thinks I'm abandoning him? Yes, so so we're moving into, yes, when they're starting to show signs of separation anxiety. So a couple of things here too. Separation anxiety is often confused with dogs that are just bored because you're out. And separation anxiety usually start the moment that you leave the house or even before the house. So they do start sometimes, different, different dogs, different things, but sometimes they start pacing or getting upset when they see you put on your shoes or your keys. And then they mm-hmm. stress because with separation anxiety, it's a stress because the person that they're closely attached to is no longer there. So pacing and how as soon as you leave indicates that he is stressed about something. So with that, you want to start making your entries and exits really low key, you know, no fast, <laughs> maybe change up your routine, put different shoes on, and then just walk to the end of the street and back, you know, just get them used to the fact that you are going to come back. With your dog, depending if, that, if that's all that he's doing, then you can start managing that and giving him something to do when you're gone, like a chew toy that's stuffed with food or or something like that. Um, But if it escalates to them doing damage to themselves or trying to escape, then you've got a more serious issue. What is it about a dog's wiring that makes them so comfortable in, I guess, like a wolf pack situation, you know, always needing to be right there with one of us? Well, I I guess they come from that history where they are, you know, where they are in a group and they bond very closely to the humans and we give them the resources and the things that they need. So we are giving them their food and their comfort and their shelter and we encourage that and we love that (laughs) and and we reinforce that. I do it too, you know, I reinforce it. I love that my border collie comes and sits with me all the time. But then sometimes you think, oh, it's a bit annoying now because I've encouraged that all the time, you know, I don't want his head on my lap. They just bond so closely to us and you know, there's different wiring, different breeds, and, you know, we've, we've brought them into the house with us a whole lot more as well. So 
it's up to us, but we don't want to cause the stress that separation anxiety can cause. So we do need to, you know, work on that, giving them that comfort of, of being able to separate from us as well. It's much, much easier with a puppy to, to train this than it is as the as it progresses if it becomes really serious. There's varying levels of the separation anxiety and it can become so serious that you do need medication and the dog is really distressed, but it can also be very mild and there's things that you can do. But training your puppy is, the, is my number one tip. All right. You mentioned cats earlier. How are cats coping with lockdowns generally? <laughs> <laughs> I think my cat wishes I would go away. I really do some of the time because um, I'm in his space. But they're okay. Cats can get separation issues as well. They can bond very closely to a person or another animal as well. But generally, cats tend to sleep a lot more. They're, you know, they they are more independent. But you know, we're, we're creating that feeling with them where we're more dependent on them because we want the company. But it's not as big an issue as it is with the dogs at the moment. There is also something that people are confusing as well, which is just a dog or puppy being bored, or a teenager. So all of those people that got puppies last year during COVID, those dogs are now adolescents. And they will do behaviours such as chewing, digging, barking, pulling, washing on the line, all of those things that are normal adolescent behaviours, and particularly if they're bored. So you've got to figure out whether, oh, maybe it's just actually I've got an 18-month-old border collie, and that's why these habits are uh, happening, as opposed to separation. And if it's boredom and teenage habits, then you can train them and give them things to do and there's a lot of of other things you can do that are hopefully going to help solve some of those issues for you. It's a difficult time, the adolescent dog. One thing we've also noticed is that we used to have a lot of people over to our house, as a lot of people did, and that's not something we're doing as much anymore. So when the postman comes or we have had a tradie over, the dog seems a little bit anxious. We did all those things at the start, the puppy school, the socialising, but they've really come back into the shell of just the family being home. So what can we do as we slowly emerge from lockdowns to reintroduce strangers to our dogs? Go back to thinking they're a puppy again. And I say this to people if they have house training issues or any other issues like that, like suddenly the doorbell, because, you know, my doorbell's going a lot more because I'm getting deliveries. It's the only thing I've got. It's the only joy at the moment, you know. But what you do is go back to thinking, oh, I'm training a puppy, and you want to do the positive association. So if the doorbell rings again, ask your puppy or your dog to sit and give them treats for calm behaviour. You can't interact with the people, but you can still uh, create positive cues around the door around the mailbox, around, you know, people out in the street. And when you're out walking, just stop with your dogs and reward them for calm behaviour as you see different people walking the other way and and all of those things that you do when they're little puppies but you forget about reinforcing it as they're a bit older. So just go back to basics. Oh, gosh. All right. And many of us are still in lockdown. (laughs) Could be for a little while longer yet. So if all of this time at home has made you think you want a pet, you want to join the the oodle crew, (laughs) what should you consider before bringing a furry friend into your life? Consider what your lifestyle is going to be like in a year. We can't travel now, but what about when we can travel? And I, I know that there's it's, there's been this massive surge in pet-friendly accommodation around the country because that's what people are looking to now. They're thinking, this is what I can do. I can get in the car and travel with my dog and that's all I can do. But think about it. Are you wanting to do that overseas trip that's going to be six months? So be really realistic about your lifestyle circumstances and just be aware that there's this massive, massive market happening with puppies and puppy farms and puppy scams. And, you know, I did a story recently for a television segment on puppy scams and I was 
horrified when I went down that hole of actually how big that is with people advertising that they've got puppies, getting deposits and money from people and the puppy never, it doesn't even exist. So do your research with that and avoid buying off Gumtree or any of those horrible online websites because you're not supporting a good industry there. There is such a boom and people are paying so much money for puppies, but it's not being regulated properly. And these days, I've got two friends that are looking for a little crossbred dog that they'd love to get from this, you know, an animal shelter. Those little marts barely exist anymore because if someone accidentally, their dog next door gets pregnant, they don't hand those puppies over anymore. They're selling them for three or $4,000. So there's mm. this market going on for anyone that can get their hands on puppies without the care of the welfare. And people are so desperate to get a dog that they end up paying for these puppies. If you're going to get a purebred dog, then make sure you go through your governing dog body. So they've got at least got the registered dog breeders. Mm. If you're happy to get a crossbred dog, don't forget the shelters and the rescue groups. There's lots of animals there that still need rehoming, but sometimes they don't suit exactly what you want. And then just tread with caution if you're going down the oodle path. So that was Dr. Katrina Warren there on how to prepare our pets for a post-COVID world. Annika, do you reckon you have a few extra strategies up your sleeve there for dealing with poor, anxious Merv? I do. I don't feel we're quite at the medication level yet, which is good news. I feel with some treats, he's really into food and maybe practicing walking around the block. I'll be one day able to return to my newsroom without a Dalmatian by my side. And I bet your cat is basically praying Queensland don't go into lockdown by the sounds of it. (laughs) He likes ruling the roost and having the whole place to himself. And tomorrow, make sure you join us for the weekend briefing. Jam, what you got for us? This week, I am chatting to Jessica Rowe. Jessica is a well-known media personality, but perhaps what's less well-known about her is the struggles that she's had with mental illness through her life. She and I have a really candid and honest chat where Jess is so generous with her experiences of anxiety, depression and postnatal depression. I think right now a lot of people are doing it tough. So this episode is one not to miss. Oh, definitely one not to miss. I love Jessica Rowe. I have known this lovely ray of sunshine for many years. Another thing that not many people know about her is she also snorts when she laughs. (laughs) So hopefully she does that during this weekend briefing episode. Should give a huge thanks to everyone who makes this show happen. Our wonderful EP, Dan Mullins, our fabulous news editors, Liam Kennedy, Brooke Lowther and Brooke Young, Matt Curry who manages to turn these episodes around and edits them to get them into your feed every morning and social media guru Emily Lodge. Have an amazing weekend. Tom Tilly is back with you on Monday morning, fresh from paternity leave. So I'll catch you guys soon. Listener. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.